Hey guys, this is Sean Walla, also known as Sean Your Realtor. Yo. Continue to educate yourself because this business is always evolving. Just continue to learn. With it, talk to you guys later. What's going on guys? This is showing you Realtor. Welcome to the Strictly Free Game Podcast. I'm actually shooting two today. Two podcasts, same day, so I have the same outfit on, so don't, don't judge me. It's two podcasts on the same day, Matt laughing at me. <laughs> I'm here with my guy, Mike Plactor. Did I say it right? Yep. Got it Set right. It. Here we go. <laughs> AKA. That flipping accountant on that Instagram. flipping accountant. Yeah. I love the hashtag. Bro. <laughs> Thanks, bro. That, the, 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 the handle's crazy. Um, so I invited Mike on. This, is this the first time you met him? Yeah, for, uh, we might have. No, we, we met, met at the, brewery, at the, the brewery, brewery, right? We met at brewery. Oh, that's right. And yeah. I, I didn't even know if you knew who I was at the time. But I, uh, I remember the face. I can always yeah, remember the face. Yeah, it's probably Instagram. Yeah, you know, he recognized me. But uh, we met there. And were you at Mike's event on Friday? I didn't make the event on Friday. Okay, I actually right. didn't make the event on Friday. Yeah, I, was right. saying, I don't know if I remember seeing you there or not. Yeah. But yeah, so we met at Brewery Three, and uh-huh. yeah, the second time we met. But yeah, yeah, second time we I met. Remember. But we've been following each other on Instagram. Yeah. And I always, I always see your videos now that that you that you put up. I'm like, yo, Mike is always giving free game. I gotta yeah. have him on the podcast yeah. for two different reasons. Yeah. One, you're an accountant. Yes. It's tax season's coming up. CPA, yeah. CPA, and you're you're getting into the flipping business. Yes. Get flipping, buy and hold, all that good yeah. stuff. Yeah, investing side. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I definitely want some insight on definitely. that. Definitely. Definitely. So first, before I even get into all that, give us a little information on yourself first. Yeah. So uh, Mike Plactor, CPA. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm an accountant by day, a real estate investor by night. Um, you know, I'm trying to actually be, you know, uh, real estate investing full time, right? So I'm trying to flip those roles. Okay. You know what I mean? But I work at a mid-sized CPA firm in Long Island. Um, it's actually funny. I'm, I'm li- I focus on real estate. Like all my clients are real estate clients. So when oh, really? I, yeah. Oh, like, okay. like owner operators, you know, New York City real estate. Um, you know, a lot of, um, like I said, owner operators, high net worth individuals. Nice. I do tax and audit. So I, I focus there. I um, also do taxes on the side for friends, family, colleagues. Whoever. Of course you do. You know, I know they call yeah, me. Yeah, you got to, come on, you got to do a little <laughs> bit on the side, right? Um, so yeah, I've been doing that. And now you know, over the last year or two, I've been trying to get into the investing side. I've always nice. wanted to be investing on the investing side. Okay. Um, you know, that's one thing in accounting is actually, you look at all, the one thing that all your high net worth individual clients have in, in common is they all have real estate investments. Nice. I saw, so, it, I saw one of your videos and you mentioned that. They all, they all do. It's like whether they made it in real estate or they made it in some other business, they got rich somewhere else, but they preserved their wealth in real estate. Wow. So it's like the common denominator. So I'm like, all right, I got to get into real estate. Okay. So I got to figure out. So I went down, you know, the YouTube channels for years. And, of course. You, never, YouTube University, bro. That's, that's what it is. Yeah. YouTube University. So, and I never, never took action. I went to, I went to the RIAs like in 2018. Okay. Met some people. And then it was um, Charles' event back in, I think it was 2020, that, that I actually... It opened up like a whole world of investing that I didn't even knew existed. Okay. Uh, I didn't even know who he was, to be honest with you, until... Uh, you didn't know who Charles was? I know who Charles was until wow. I was sitting at the RIA in February of 2020, right before the pandemic. Okay. Hit. And there's two guys next to me, and they're watching like a video of this guy. He gets off like an airplane, and you know... He's, <laughs> oh, that event. The promo event. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm okay. like, who is this guy? You know, yeah. and I, I checked him out. I'm like, oh. And then I, you know, I was at the event. I was like, this is like, there's a whole other layer yeah. that I didn't even know existed. Yeah, real estate. okay. So... And now you know, he's everywhere. Like you probably can't get rid of him off your feet at this point. Exactly. <laughs> like I've been following ever since, yeah. and you know, just networking and stuff like that. And nice. I mean, uh, yeah. Started. I would say that's when I actually started in investing. Okay. You know, back like when the pandemic hit. Okay. So you, I, I, I've been watching your videos. I'm a stalker. Like when, when I'm going to interview someone, I, I, I basically stalk them. Almost like a video <laughs> from like fucking 20, 2019. I was like, he's going to think I'm a creep. <laughs> <laughs> 
But um, you mentioned on one of your videos that you went to um, LIU Post, right? Yes. For finance. Yeah, so that's interesting. So I was actually a finance major. I mm -hmm. wanted to be in finance. I always knew because I had someone in the family that was a family friend of ours that was in finance. I was like, oh, I want to do that. Okay. So didn't know anything about it. And then 2008 hit. And I was like, pretty smart. I was like, there's no way I'm going to be in finance <laughs> when I graduate. Like, yeah. It was horrible. The I economy was horrible. Yeah. So I was actually taking my first accounting course that year. Um, and I was actually doing pretty good, like comparatively to like my other, the other business majors that took that introduction course. Okay. Like they were struggling. No one understood accounting, but I was like, this isn't that bad. So I just was like, I switched majors right away. Okay. I knew that there would be a demand for an accountant, you know, when I graduated. And yeah, that's sort of what got me into that. And then to the real estate, like I said, I saw all my clients, uh, mm -hmm. you know, in, in that, uh, in that sphere. So I'm like, you know, I didn't even know you could make money in real estate. Really? I had no idea. Because you know, it's just like, I bought, bought a house and just live in it for the most part, right? I, they don't teach you this stuff. It's yeah. not like in like high school, it's not like there's a real estate class. Or mm -hmm. like in college, at least at my college, there wasn't a real estate class yeah. that I could take and learn how to, you know, grow your business. I knew there was like realtors, I guess. I guess I kind of knew there was, you could mm -hmm. make money that way, but never on the investing. I don't know. I just, you don't think about these nah, things. Nah, I never think about this If now. you don't know, you don't know. Man, there's so many things that they didn't teach us early that we should have learned. I probably didn't write my first check till I was in my 30s. Didn't really? know how to write a, I didn't even know how to write a check, bro. Who was I writing a check to? Well, that's true. You had to balance a checkbook. Have nah. you ever done that? Like, no, I never balanced a checkbook. <laughs> he just he just gave me. I just had like a mini heart attack. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm thinking the taxis, and he's like writing. I'm like balance a checkbook. Yeah. No, well, personal finance is actually like a like a little like I've been bad situations financially when I was okay. in my twenties, you know, and like you you, you learn that stuff too. Yeah. Like, so I learned it all self self taught. Self taught. You know, self taught. Like I said, YouTube University. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I, I just I'm really in the personal finance. That's a little side thing, like yeah. that I that I. Are got you just it. naturally a numbers guy? Do you just like yeah? Numbers? Like I'm not like a creative person like Matt here. <laughs> <laughs> no one's like Matt. No one's like Matt. <laughs> uh, but yeah, naturally I would say yeah, I'm an accountant, so like I'm okay. naturally like a numbers guy. But yeah, I learned a lot about you know credit scores, balancing a checkbook, okay. you know, keeping your. I always keep my finances and stuff like that every month. Keep track of what I'm spending my money on, mm -hmm. what I want to save money for, that kind of stuff. So. Okay, so speaking of that, because yeah. you say you work with a lot, of, do you like work with a, you work with a lot of realtors? So you, I'm pretty sure most of your portfolio is like 1099 employee, 1099, yeah. whatever. Um, right. What do you usually come across as far as when it comes to the finances? Because no one teaches us that stuff, especially right. when you become an independent contractor. Yeah. No one teaches you that you have to put money to the side for taxes. Yeah. That's just like you learn the hard way. It's like school of hard knocks. There should have been a class for that. Like literally, like yeah. when you saw, even like maybe at your brokerage, maybe in college, I don't know, but there should have been like, mm -hmm. if you're self-employed yeah. and you're on a 1099, one, you're going to get banged over the head with taxes because of self-employment taxes, right? Mm -hmm. You, you got to obviously pay income taxes. That's one thing. Yeah. Everyone pays income taxes. When you're self-employed, you got to pay the uh, self-employment tax, which is 15.3%. Mm. So at the end of the year, when you file, you're like, your accountant calls you and he goes, you owe like 10 grand. And you're like, I don't have 10 grand. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> it's like, you know, and he, and it's really his fault. He should have been telling you mm -hmm. to be putting money aside. Like every quarter, you're supposed to make quarterly estimates. Yeah. And like, you know, think about what you think you're going to make uh, throughout the year and then put aside, you know, he'll do a calculation for yeah. you and say, all right, put away 2,500 every quarter by this date, pay it. Like yeah. he should have told you that. You know I literally I mean? just sat with my accountant last week yeah. just to get my estimated yeah, exactly. everything for, for the following year. That's exactly yeah. what you should have, you did, and you did it the right way. Like a lot of people don't do Do you that. think people should, when, when should someone start that process? I, I started mine because I, I, I started doing this whole content thing October last year. Okay. So my mental now is my new year is always going to start in October. That's the way I'm looking at everything. So I'm starting 2022 okay. in October. 2022. My quarter one is already oh, yeah. started already. 
Okay. So that's why I'm like, you know what? Let me start getting my taxes in order. Cause yeah. I, you know, I know they coming for me. When is that? Is that a normal strategy that someone should have? Like, when would you tell your client to start getting their taxes? Well, okay. now that it's November, I mean, you definitely have to prepare for the year end. So okay. if there's like, you know, there's certain things you could do where you can maybe uh, pay stuff up front if you know you're going to incur some. If you made a lot of money in 2021 and you know you're going to incur a lot of expenses coming up, you mm -hmm. might want to front load those now and take the deduction. That's one strategy to reduce your tax bill okay. come you know uh, April when you file. Um, so that's a strategy you could do. But yeah, as far as like you know getting ready, that's the one thing you do for your end. There's also like I said the estimate. So you might want to do like a mini calculation, sit with your accountant, and he should be able to project what you might owe. Okay. Right, and you want to pay that stuff now because like I said. You know, they're going to penalize you if you don't pay any estimates throughout the year. Yeah. You know, at the end of the year when you're filing, like I said, you don't want that call from your accountant, like, get your checkbook handy. Right? Come to my office with a check. Like, you don't want that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you definitely want to prep for year end now if you can. Okay. And like I said, a lot of the stuff should have been paid in throughout the year, but if not, it's not too late. You can still, pay, you you can still pay stuff for the year end, you know. Okay. So. All right, that's, that's some game, bro. So get, get your, Matt's looking, I see his ears perking up. <laughs> you know, Matt's 1099 as well, so we, we're right. getting Call everything your following here. Yeah. <laughs> All now. <laughs> what, um, let's get into the, to the buy and hold stuff, because that's the fun stuff that we want to talk about. We want to come back to the accountant, because yeah. that stuff is that's also strategy. needed, especially the, now. The strategic things you can yeah. do, we'll talk about. So, so I'm, I'm noticing you, you're driving around, you're driving for, for, um, for housing <laughs> at this point, you're driving for dollars. Oh, you saw that? Like, of course, bro, I'm watching okay. everything, I'm watching everything. Yeah. What's the game plan? What are you up to? So it's interesting, yeah. So like what I was doing about a year ago when okay. I was first starting out is I just got in my car uh, over the weekend when I had free time and I would just start driving neighborhoods. You know, okay. I'd scope out a neighborhood, Levittown, um, you know, Beth Page, whatever it may be, maybe Mastic, Shirley, Patchogue. And I would literally drive up every single street, mm. find a property that looked like it was either abandoned or needed a ton of work. Okay. Roofs looks like it's caving in, whatever it may be. Like, you know, you, you, you see the properties like that, that house is, you know, yeah, they need to look at the stuff Charles is doing. You see all those houses are like falling down. Mm -hmm. so you're like, all right, if I could find a few of those, if he could find them, I'm sure I could find some of too. Of course, yeah. So you drive up and down the neighborhood, you find them and you find who the owner is, right? You just skip tracing, whatever it may be, you find out who it is. And I would just handwrite him a letter. Like oh, I would okay. literally just sit down. It was a lot of work and I was writing hundreds of letters like, hey, how you doing? I just saw your property on 123 Main Street. I'm interested in buying it. Please give me a call and I put my number. Okay. And I would do that and I actually got a bunch of leads from it. Really? You know, some were like retail, they're like, oh, I want like 500,000. It's like, there's no roof. Like, <laughs> you like literally, I, like, like if, if I was a realtor, like that's, I would, you know, maybe refer that to you and like, yeah. you could put it on the market and sell it. But there was a couple that were like actually investments. We was working on a deal in Bethpage with Charles and right. I was telling you earlier that that one fell through, but because of the seller. Not because of the, the seller was, no, 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 no not, not at all. No, yeah, he'll no. tell you the story. The, of course. The attorney, horrible. Oh, wow. It was okay. bad. But anyway, so, but yeah, that's what I was, I was finding deals and I, you know, some of these deals, I can't, I can't really take on the scope. Like this is a new construction build. Mm. You know, I, I'm a very new investor. I yeah. can't be doing a new construction build. So I called the guy up like Charles and have him do it. You know okay. what I mean? So that's, that's how I was getting started, you know, is, is finding those deals and yeah. I'm actually going to start it back up again. Nice. I'm nice. Gonna actually find some people like maybe drive for me because I don't have the time. Yeah, of course. And uh, it's a good strategy to get deals. It's man. a good, especially if you say you're going away from, you said Levittown, Bethpage, Mastic, like you, yeah. you're covering all, all areas. Well, yeah, I was doing it on two fronts. Like mainly there was like certain markets in Nassau that okay. were hot and I was focusing on. And there was the markets in Suffolk that I'm focusing on for rental purposes. Like those oh. I'm going to keep for myself. I find deals in the Massac Shirley, Bellport. 
that stuff I'd keep and do like a section eight model okay. and, and rent those out. You Let's know? talk about the section eight model because yeah. I feel like a lot of people um, run away from those models. Yeah. Um, but we were talking off, off air and I was like, yo, we have to stop and we have to talk about this on camera. You well, most successful investors will always tell me that's probably the best model to go with yeah. because it's guaranteed. But I'll let you, I'll let you give a little detail. Why is that one of the best models to go with? Well, one, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things. So like first, you got the government is paying majority of the rents. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not, you're not subject to someone not paying you, right? right. So that's, that's one. It's a safer investment. Um, you know, another thing would be is that the people that are, there's a high demand for it. So it's not mm -hmm. like you're never going to rent this thing out. And on average, the people that are renting out these properties, because it's such a high demand, there's, um, I think the average time is like 11 and a half years that they're staying that they in stay? the property. Wow. Yeah, so you can factor in when you're budgeting out your numbers, mm -hmm. a lower vacancy factor. Because yeah. on the average cash rental, you know, every two, three, maybe four years, these tenants, the constant turnover. Yeah. So now it's vacant, you gotta paint, you gotta fix any whatever, you know, mm -hmm. issues. Uh, so there's, there's a cost to that, you yeah. know? So, you know, the, you can obviously factor in a significantly low number um, because, because of the less of a turn, turnover. Okay. So that, that's one of the big reasons. The only downside, I mean, uh, Section 8 is going to pay less mm -hmm. than a cash rental. You might make more in, in other markets. Um, but again, you, you, I think it's, it's safer just it's to safer, have, yeah. you just have well, something there A lot of people realized that long, probably yeah. during the pandemic as well. A lot, of, that, a lot of landlords probably realized that during the pandemic. Those are probably the only people that are really getting paid was the oh, ones yeah. that had those. Bro, they're getting, some of these people are getting crushed right now. Yeah. You know, a lot of these landlords that no one's getting, no one's paying, especially with the mom and pops. Like the big guys, I'm sure they're fine. Mm -hmm. But the mom and pops, if you have like one or two properties and then was, those people stop paying, yeah. I mean, who's going to pay the mortgage? Who's, who's going to pay the bills? Like, yeah. And you can't get these people out for, for two years now. And, mm -hmm. and from, I'm talking to attorneys and they're saying it's going to be at least another 18 months. They're going to stretch it. So four years and no one paying. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. When people kept telling me, oh, January is going to be up. I'm like, dude, I worked property management for six years. That's not how it works oh. in New York, bro. Even if, even if January 1st, they said we could start doing evictions, they're not doing a mass eviction. They're not, rent, they're not coming and taking anybody out. Yeah. It's so, going to take you like two, three months just to get the sheriff to serve them. Yeah. And start gonna the be backed up. Even if you get the eviction, the sheriff yeah. is backed up. Yeah. So what's he going to do? Like, you're not going to jump in the line. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you exactly. know, so it's, it's a real issue. Um, but yeah. So, I mean, well, have you noticed in your portfolio of um, clients that do have investment properties, do you notice that, that have a lot of them been struggling that have like portfolios yeah, like that? Yeah, because a lot of the clients that I work on, at least you know, my day job, it's, mm -hmm. it's Manhattan real estate, uh, New York City real estate. So a lot of them, a lot of tenants, there's a lot of lease amendments and a lot of tenants that want lower rent. Yeah. Uh, some people just picked up and said, we need either less size because everyone's working from home mm -hmm. or we just got to get out because we are financially, whatever yeah. it is. Um, and then on the lower levels is like the retail. So you got your, you know, um, you know the restaurants mm -hmm. and they're struggling really bad. So a lot of them either close ship, close shop, or they uh, just aren't paying. Yeah. So they have the to restaurants a too? lot of, yeah. Cause the, you know, during the pandemic, oh, wow. they really put a lot of restrictions on the restaurants. No one was like, they, no was they were shut down for months. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they can't pay their rent if there's no one eating, you know, in the restaurants. So yeah. a lot of the buildings, um, were financially, I wouldn't say distressed, you know, they obviously there's always tenants paying, so mm -hmm. they were able to pay their bills and everything like that. But it was a definitely, a, it was a bad year. Yeah. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Wow. 2020 was a bad year for it's bad year, real estate. Yeah, but you know, hopefully it'll work out for guys like you that's actually looking for those deals, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, <laughs> if you bought something in Manhattan, like in 2020, you probably, you're probably doing better now. Because as the city is sort of opening up, Prices are coming up a little more. So. Yeah, because those prices were dipping. They dipped a little bit. Oh, man, I wish, I wish I had the, 
the funds at that point to really go in and grab something yeah. because like you said those numbers are just flying back up yeah you see some of the big guys that are coming in you see the transactions right so you mm -hmm. see some some of the more aggressive uh risk-taking um uh, investors coming in there and buying big properties up yeah you know, some some of the people are distressed so you know they're taking advantage of that wow what, what are some of the things that someone, because you know, everyone's talking about now, everyone wants to be a, uh, an investor, everyone wants to be a landlord. Yeah. That's the newest thing, everyone thinks it's easy to do, but you're actually going through the process of training, coaching, and all that good stuff. Yeah. I saw you choose on a coaching call to like, what, one in the morning last night? Yeah. I saw it on his, on his Instagram. Yeah, um, yeah, that was a network, and that's East Coast RIA. I would highly suggest, if you're an investor, you should absolutely get in, involved in the local RIA. Okay. Uh, the one I'm involved with is East Coast RIA. We used to meet in Levittown, and because of COVID, now it's, now it's remote. Okay. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, I actually met my mentor, Carl Chavon, mm -hmm. he runs the RIA. Okay. So I've been coaching with Carl for a year, and he's the one that actually got me into the Section 8 model. Nice. Because it's a, you know, it makes sense. I mean, everything I told you is kind of what he kind of explained to me. And mm -hmm. I didn't even know that was a, a solid model. Uh, but once you get educated, it's all, it's a process of education. Of course. You know, that's what it is. It's, it's if, you don't take, if you're a new investor, stuff doesn't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. I've been doing it for over a year, and, you know, I'm, I'm seeing traction, obviously. But you're not going to get a rental portfolio. I mean anything can happen right but yeah, yeah generally speaking it's going to happen we, we were speaking to existence it's, <laughs> it, it's a lot of work and you got to be willing to put in a lot of work um yeah. and like i said it, for me like i'm working i have a family mm -hmm. i have a lot going on in my life so it's it's a lot of work but it is, it's part of the if i want to if i want to get where i want to go yeah. i gotta do it so so what, what's the what's the main goal like what is what's mike's goal in the next like three four years um so I, my, my goal actually is to get five rentals by the end of next year. In the five yeah. rentals? Okay. Yeah. So okay. I, it was, it was, that was my goal and I had two years to do it and now a couple of deals fell through within the last year, mm -hmm. but I'm getting traction and getting traction, putting yeah. in offers and stuff and my goal is five because I want a specific number in cash flows by the end of next year. Okay. Um, and then from there, yeah, I mean the, the ultimate goal is financial freedom, mm -hmm. freedom. So, uh, and I'm going to do that through rental properties. Nice. You know? Nice, yeah. nice. Okay, so, so five years by the, five deals by the end of next year. What do you see yourself? What what would make you say, all right, I have enough cash flow now, I could just do this completely full time. Uh, like how many would I need? Yeah. Oh gosh. Uh, well, so my goal initially was get to the five, and mm -hmm. not that I'm going to quit my job and like you know nothing like that, but uh, at some point there, there's yeah there's going to be you know a point maybe where I'm going less more part time into accounting and whatever it may be. Uh, and doing this full time, you know. So mm -hmm. how I do that, and how many rental properties? It's going to be a process. So it's not like once I get twenty, you know, then quit. You know, yeah, 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 <laughs> it's yeah. going to be. Uh, it's a transition process. I'm going okay. to have to maybe pick up more clients on the side and maybe work part time. I haven't really thought that through, and uh, you know, as far as how many rentals it's going to be. But um, at at the five, I mean, I could certainly. You know, that helps, right? Yeah, of course. That's a good <laughs> it's a start. Cash flow. Yeah. yeah. I've been, my goal was to also start to try to get myself a portfolio as well. Nice. You're I mean, in the game. You're I'm in the game. Uh, New York market is not the easiest market to really jump yeah. into. Yeah. But like you said, you're out there. You're doing it way more than what I even thought of doing. Like, I, I didn't think about getting the, the mentorship from, you know, things. I always say Charles mentioned it, but I've never even, like, put it into perspective for myself. Yeah. But just the, the market in general, but this is the complaint I hear from, from friends that want to do it. They're like showing the market is too, is too oversaturated. And yes. Yeah. Yes and no. It is. It is. And they've always like, you know what, we'll go out of town to do it. 
What is your thought when it comes to that process? I gotta stay. I know people that are in Albany, Binghamton, uh, investing in Florida. You know, they're mm -hmm. all over. Um, that's fine, but you're also gonna have to buy more properties. You know what I mean? Okay. Because here you're gonna have higher cash flows, higher purchase prices, everything like that. But down there, to get to a certain uh, net cash flow, let's say that let's say you want five thousand in net mm -hmm. cash flow, you could probably do that here with you know maybe 10 to 15 properties okay. down there you're gonna have to if each property is making two to three hundred dollars a month you do the do the math on that you're yeah. gonna have to just multiply that you're gonna need like 50 properties mm. so it's really it, it's a matter of you know it's cheaper in certain markets the taxes are less maybe it's a little less competitive but this is always a, it's a great market yeah. long island's a great market there are cash flowing markets like i was talking about bellport and, and mastic in certain areas that are cash flowing markets yeah and um but yeah it's super competitive it's not to say so when i was saying earlier like yeah it's saturated it's very difficult but it doesn't matter it doesn't mean you can't do it doesn't mean you can't do it yeah i yeah. mean you like you say you already started getting some some traction with everything and you yeah. just basically started the process like a year and a half ago yeah you yeah it's I mean? competitive you got to find deals and, and network with people and, and yeah. uh, you'll find opportunities nice so to the people that don't understand what cash flow is right because mm -hmm. i think a lot of people just have their own perception of what it is Explain from your perspective, right. from the, the CPA perspective, exactly what a what cash flow would be for someone. Yeah. So, all right, you buy a property uh, and now you're renting it out. Mm -hmm. And let's say you're making $2,400 a month. Section 8, let's just say, is paying $2,400 a month for your three-bedroom. Uh, then you have all your line item of expenses. You're going to have your taxes. You're going to have your insurance. You're going to have uh, vacancies. See, a lot of people don't factor in a lot mm -hmm. of the... The, the stuff that you don't pay every month, but you're mm -hmm. gonna have to pay eventually. Yep. Right. There's yep. vacancy. There's capital expenditures. Mm -hmm. You know, you might buy a property that you can rent out tomorrow, but the roof has like five years left on it. You got a boiler is gonna attend more maybe, mm -hmm. and that's gonna go out on you. Do you want to be coming out of your your personal savings for that? No. So mm -hmm. what you do is you want to put away aside a certain number, you know, whatever it may be. You know, there's a hundred to three hundred, whatever maybe a month, and put that away. And when something happens, you have the reserves in in your in your bank account. Okay. Uh, there's repairs, there's, and then you have your debt service. So oh, and a lot of times you're going to have your tenants pay the utilities. It's a single family rental. Mm -hmm. You just have them pay, you know, the, the utilities and anything like that. Um, and then you have your debt service. So however you're borrowing your money, whether you're paying, you know, your investors, whether you're paying the bank, mm -hmm. um, that's going to be another line item. And at the end of the day is what you're stuck, you're yeah. stuck with and yeah. then you're left with, right? Oh, another thing is property management. So you obviously got to pay, sure a, yeah. you have to pay a property management fee. A lot. What I do is I manage them myself. So mm -hmm. I might write myself a check. So I don't consider that really, uh, you know, make or break the deal because I'm paying 7% property management fee. Yeah. It's really going to me, yeah. you know what I mean? But it's a line item you got to factor in. Of course, Some yeah. people, once you scale, if you get 20 properties, you can't be doing it yourself. No, no, yeah, not I mean, at all. Maybe you can, but. Yeah, that's, that's tough. You'll be, it's a, it will probably only work if they're all generally in the same area. But yeah. if you're spread out, if you're like, like you said, if you're a master, this is Suffolk County, Long Island. Yeah. And you're in Queens and Brooklyn oh, yeah. and like, you'll, you'll go crazy. Yeah. A lot of times, uh, that's the problem with single family rentals is mm -hmm. that you're probably going to be spread out. Not too bad. I mean, you might be mostly in these areas. Yeah. Uh, Massachusetts and Shirley's. Sometimes you might get a property in Center Reach or whatever, mm -hmm. uh, North Babylon or something like that. So you're gonna find like opportunities all over. So you are spread out. Whereas if you buy an apartment building, they're all there. It's Everyone all lives there. under the same roof. So yeah. th there's that's the only downside I would say to single family investing is is that part. Do you believe single family is, is better? Because I've, I've heard that from from different investors. They say they would rather go with the single family model opposed to like a multifamily because they feel like there's more people are, yeah. are they tend to stay a little longer when it's a single family 
Yeah, because, yeah, so you have less turnaround. Less turnaround. Because, yeah, the people, it's like, oh, it almost feels like it's their house. You know, you don't have to mm -hmm. move because you hate the neighbor who's, like, on top of you, essentially. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's downsides to that. Um, also, from a liquidity standpoint, I think it's a lot better to have the single family because, you know, if you wanted to sell off a property or two, yeah, you know, I want, I want, I got a lot of equity in this yeah. one. Let's sell this one off. It's easier. It's easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you have a portfolio, but you know, with the apartment buildings, you have to sell the whole thing. Yeah. You, you can't really sell off. Can't sell the second floor. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right, second floor, you're paying rent to that guy. <laughs> oh man, what are some? What are some of the um, the biggest issues that? Not issues. I don't want to say issues, but like I said, we're going to go back to that to the accountant part of it. Because that, that's the part I'm, I'm really like locked into right now because like, I guess the tax season is coming up. Yeah. What are some of the biggest downfalls that you see when it comes to 1099? Um, Pretty much, you know, not paying your estimated taxes. Yeah. Um, not, you know, a lot of accountants just do your taxes. They don't really spend time to like plan, plan mm -hmm. out a, like a, a solid structure um, of things to do to, to like, for example, you know, retirement is a great thing. You, you, you want to put money into an IRA. Mm -hmm. You want to put money away for, you know, maybe you sit with a guy like Lou Soriano. Lou Sor I just he's, sat with Lou Soriano. Uncle Lou, he's the best. Yeah, yeah. I best. literally just, you see, oh, yeah. you always yeah, hustle yeah, on with okay. Actually, my wife and I just sat with Lou last week. Okay. Um, yeah, because we, we're trying to structure it. We got, I got two girls now. Yes. So I want everything to be structured. I want my kids to be trust fund babies. I'm yeah. trying to put them in the best situation that they could possibly be in. So we sat down with Lou, and Lou was giving us some, some great like, insight on everything. He's the one that told me to go back to my accountant and start getting everything rolling as far as like the self-employment taxes, as far as like the pre, like, pre, um, prepaying my taxes yeah. going forward. It's just, Uncle Lou like, gave me, shout out to Lou, yeah. gave me a lot of great, um, great insight yeah. with everything. Um, not to cut you off, but now, so go back to what you were saying. So you were saying paying, um, I, I, I totally got Yeah, no, like there's, all right, so the retirement. Like retirement. Said, sit with the guy like Lou, uh, yeah. or sit with Lou, and then, you know, he's going to manage the, the investments, but you're going to put it into like an IRA. You got a deduction for that, so mm -hmm. that you can lower your, the amount of tax you owe for that. There's HSA plans, like, you know, if you're in a 1099, maybe you pay your own health insurance and, uh, you know, all your medical bills and stuff. So you, you can do that in an HSA account, which is a health savings account, okay. which is a pre-tax account. Okay. Uh, again, lowers your tax, the, the amount of tax you owe. Uh, but the big one for realtors is the escort. A lot of people don't know about this, um, which is crazy to me. Like, it makes so much sense. So mm -hmm. the way, you know, you, you know this, but the mm -hmm. way it works in the 1099 world is you have to report everything on the Schedule C, and that net number, right, which is your income less all your business expenses, mm -hmm. that net number is subject to self-employment taxes. Mm -hmm. So now, you know, like I was saying, the 15.3%, you gotta pay tax on. Yeah. Now, because you're self-employed. If you're an employee, like obviously your employer is paying that portion paying for you, so yeah. you don't have to, you're not worried about it. Mm -hmm. So the way to do this is if you're making, you know, it's all maybe 60,000, if you're making like over 60K, it maybe makes sense to do the strategy, otherwise you, you don't have to do it. But once you make us over a certain amount net, you want to convert to an S-Corp and get paid through there. And what you're going to do is pay yourself a, a, a you know, you're an employee of your business now, uh -huh. right? So you're going to pay yourself a salary, a reasonable salary, you know, 40, 50 grand, whatever it may be, whatever is considered reasonable. Yeah. You're going to pay the self-employment on that, but anything else is just a distribution out of the business. Okay. So if you make 100 and you're paying yourself 50, you know, you're only paying the self-employment tax on the 50. But the other 50, you could take that out of your business and you're not subject to the self-employment taxes. 
Okay. Is it your, you know, yeah. your, it's just a draw from the business. I actually just learned a lot about that too. I mean, I knew some of it, but when I sat in my account and I was with her for like three hours, she was <laughs> like break everything down to me. Because I know a lot of guys that got jammed up, like they just weren't paying yeah. taxes or they would just write off everything for years. And yeah. when it's time to, if they want to purchase something, if they want to get an investment property, right. they can't really get anything because they're not showing any income. Yeah, you know what I mean. Thing. Like that's what happened to me last year when I was like, oh, you know what? Maybe I'll jump into the game, but you know everything was, was slowing down a little bit, and I'm like, I'm not even showing any income. That's funny. Someone called me the other week. They're like, uh, oh, you know, um, you know, my client uh, needs, um, you know, someone account to sign off on a 1090 uh, on a profit and loss, like a well, P and L. Yeah. So they're like a 1099 employee, um, self-employed, but they didn't keep any like records. Like they want me to just like. Oh yeah, I made sixty grand, and uh, <laughs> hey, I, had like, I had like you know I had no expenses. Right? Yeah. Okay, sixty grand, sign off. Like I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Thank you, but uh, like if you have anything to like substantiate the income and the expenses, then fine. But I'll, I'll do that service for you. But yeah. I'm not just going to do something. Not rubber stamp. Listen, is there any risk to it? Probably not. Like I was talking to my mortgage guy. He's like, it just sits in a drawer, you know. But mm -hmm. like I'm not going. That's like fraud. Like yeah, I'm not going to cut it. Yeah, like my luck, that should get audited and somebody. Yeah, someone will find out. Yeah, like, oh, you right. signed off here. And like, so what documents approved? I'm like, he told, he told me on the phone. Like, no, like that's not gonna fly with anyone. When is when do you think is, is the? Because I have a, a really good friend of mine that has a trucking business. He owns like twenty trucks, and I remember at one point because he gave me his. He said there's always levels to accounting, right? Like he gave me like entry level accounting. Mm -hmm. And after a while, when he started seeing I was making money, he's like, all right, now it's time to graduate, bro. Like, you gotta, you gotta step it up now. Like, they're cool, but now you need a real accountant that's gonna look through everything and tell you really how to structure your business. Not, right. not your business, but your, your taxes are your business. In 100%. Order. So when do you think, at what threshold should someone start to really, like, elevate? Well, yeah, like, so if you just have, like, a W-2, you're an employee, like, mm -hmm. there's, like, the basic level, you got an H&R Block, you got the guy, who works out of like a, like a hotel room and he's You know he's my guy, that, that was like, my first guy. <laughs> yeah, right. He's doing like 10,000 returns and he's just, you know, from like sunrise to like all night, right? So they're like, there's that guy, you know, and they're just, they don't care, like they're gone. You don't want to work out of a guy of a hotel room because who do you call when, when the IRS is knocking at your door? Like, he's in Jamaica somewhere, like on the beach, <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, you don't want to go with something like that. But, yeah. but either way, like, so there's like your basic accountant who's just going to do your return very fast because you're very simple. Uh, you just like you're an employee and maybe your rent, so you don't have any deductions. It's very simple to do that. Okay. Um, but then, yeah, once you're self-employed, there's a lot of strategies you can employ in your business, and, and especially like year-end stuff. Like we talked about a couple of the retirement and the S-Corp strategy. And you want to get with an accountant who's actually going to sit with you and plan with you. Maybe mm -hmm. sit with you on a quarterly basis or something like that. Okay. And go over your situation, how you're doing, and what you got to do as you approach the year end. Yeah. And in the future. Like, you want someone to plan for your future, not someone who's just going to say, okay, you made this amount of money. Here's your tax bill. See you later. Yeah. Um, so you should, you should meet with your accountant more than once a year. Then. Yeah. Maybe. You know, maybe not if you're like an employee, but like, yeah, if you're any kind of 1099, mm -hmm. absolutely. You should definitely be planning with you know an accountant like that on a quarterly maybe maybe twice a year or something like that or, okay. but yeah you don't want to just show up at the end of the year not prepared because like i said he's going to say okay this is your tax bill yeah. see you later uh <laughs> now you owe money to the irs and uh my, my fees this you know what i mean <laughs> see you later next like you don't want something like that <laughs> but um w when it comes to see i was doing i was w2 and 1099 for years Okay. Last year was my first year full-time real estate. Okay. But I, I had a W-2. 
So my taxes would co- it would always kind of work out for me because it would kind of like right. absorb those taxes from the tenant. Yeah, you had like a refund. Like exactly. Off, so. um, and my wife never could understand it because he used to eat up everything. But someone that's, that's trying to start a business now. I give my wife for example. She's trying to start her own crafting thing now. Okay. I'm telling her, listen, get the S-Corp or get the LLC, whatever you want to set up, because that's going to help you in the long run. Yes and no. I mean, I did that too. And I, yeah. now that I'm looking back at it, it's really, you know, you're going to file on a, on a Schedule C anyway. Okay. Uh, so, like, people say, oh, do I need an LLC? Uh, you do, eventually. You know, at some point, you might want to do that. Okay. Um, you know, as, but before you're really making good money and stuff like that, really just, you're going to file everything on the self-employed. And, and like I said, if you're not making a significant, significant amount of money, it doesn't make sense to pay me or someone else to file an annual S-Corp return. Okay. They want to make sure like you're more established to do that. Um, but it's, yeah, and it might be just like a waste of money because there's no risk. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if you're just starting out a business on the side, what is your actual risk? Is there like a risk that you're going to get sued? Like that's the whole reason to get an LLC is for LLC, asset yeah. protection. Yeah. Because now if you have your entity in, in the LLC, only the assets of the LLC are subject to maybe if any sort of lawsuit or whatever. But okay. if, you know what I mean? Like if you have your personal assets, they're not subject to that because the LLC gives you that protection. Mm. So there is, there's benefits to the LLC. You want to do the LLC, but you know, in the very beginning before you even make it a nickel, I mean, you know. Just, so when do you think someone should start? Yeah, at some point, I don't know like what the number is, but as you're making, you know, tens of thousands now, you're okay. like, All right, this is more of a business than it was like a side project. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at some point you definitely want to sit with the proper, you know, whether it's your accountant or maybe like I had my, my attorney set up my LLC for me. Okay. So, All right. So yeah, like someone who, yeah, know, it's, it's definitely good to have the LLC, but you know, is that the first thing you should do? Maybe focus on, you know, getting the business going, you know, number one, because a lot of people, they, they focus so much on what's the proper way to do this. It's yeah. Like, the proper way to do it is go make some money. You make some money for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it took me a while. I didn't do, have my LLC until like years after. Yeah. Years into That's the fun. business. Not by design, like I really didn't know any, any better, but after a while my, my accountant, she saw the money that I was starting to make, she was like, now it's time to, now yeah. it's time to get that LLC, yeah, or that s exactly. or whatever, you know. That was probably the right way to do it, I yeah. think, you know what I mean? Like once you're making some money, just get it done. Okay. You know? All right, so what's next, bro? What's, what, what you got going? What's, what's, what's the move for Mike? Um, just keep doing what I'm doing, uh, you know, try to grow my tax practice on the side okay. um, and, you know, uh, the real estate business, that's my, my main focus is, you know, whenever I'm not working and not with the family, just work on the business, whether it's early in the morning, weekends, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. uh, just continue to get out there and try to find deals. That's the, that's my, and rental properties, and rentals, dollars. baby, that's the, that's the goal. Are you working with a lot of agents or are you, are you networking with agents to see if they can get you some old market deals as well? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm working, um, I do like, uh, agents probably that are watching this probably hate me, but I, I said like, uh, I do like some text marketing stuff where I'm like okay. sending out like a video to them right. and they're like, who is this guy? You know, and then, you know, I try to like network with them that way yeah. as well as meeting people in person, like yeah. what we're doing here. Uh, and just try to grow my social media because that's, I think that's the best networking. In my I was actually about that too. Bro, it, it is. I, I was never like, a, hey, let's post a video. I hated it. Yeah. Like, I hate, I still am camera shy, but I... You know, maybe it was bronze event, like whatever it was, like I was networking people a little bit on social media and then I saw them in person. It was like, we're brothers, you know, yeah, I, mean? yeah. I never met the people, you mm-hmm. know? So there was like some, something that struck a chord during that event. And I was like, oh, there's like real power here. Like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like to really grow your network and meet new people. 
Because people, if they start to see your face, they start to trust you a little bit more. Every day they yeah. see you. They see it and they're like, yo, let me throw Mike this deal. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, know, I know the perfect person to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, they see you. And I've actually gotten opportunities. Like people go to me on, through Instagram and they go, oh, um, you know, I got a rental. I'm selling it. Like, you know, give me your offer. Let me see what you got. Maybe we'll you know, sell it to you. Okay. You know, completely off market. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I never would have gotten that opportunity. Uh, if I just sitting on my couch, not out there, uh, yeah, you know, uh, the social media. So it's been a great, it's been a game changer. Okay, and um, I'm a big believer of it. <laughs> no, no. So you're gonna try to do some more social media marketing in general? I think so. And I'm actually, I got some plans. Like I'm gonna do some some videos and stuff. Okay. At some point, I love to work with uh, Matt our visual. He's right here. Uh, I really see, no, he's I'm, creeping. I'm I see not, him creeping back. And I'm more. not joking. Mark. Like, <laughs> I can tell when Mike is on the prowl. He's like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. Now Matt is he's he's definitely one of the, the best ones to work with. From what I've seen. Yeah, he's yeah. great. You know, I, I I can tell I'm a testament to that. Like I like you said, camera right. shy, bro, I did not do anything on camera prior to meeting this guy. Really? Yeah. Okay. And that's what I wanna you know, in, in addition, I wanna do a podcast. I don't know if it's gonna be like this or maybe it's just be me, me and my computer desk in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I'm gonna do it. I know if I have a name. Yeah. Podcast. <laughs> uh, I haven't really thought it through, but I think that's another great opportunity to meet people as well that you just never would have known. Like, the podcast is great, especially if you're doing it online, like you just said, because you could go to other states. Like you could get someone that's in a different exactly. market and start the conversation from there. Yeah. Yeah. I started mine on like Zoom too. Yeah. Like, listen, if you want to like meet like the top realtor in, uh, let's say, Patchogue, mm-hmm. I don't know who that is, but like if you just call them up and, hey, you want to go on my podcast? You want to, you yeah. know, sort of like, you know, I can show you my network and your network and sort of like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, if, uh, you, I open up my network to you sort of thing. And that's, people would be like, oh, sure, I'll come on your podcast. Of course, yeah. There's, like, there's a lot of power to that mm-hmm. as far from a networking perspective to meet new people. So I'm thinking about it from that, not in. Do it, man. I don't care if the quality, the quality's probably going to be horrible. I don't care. Everybody, you, everyone <laughs> has to start from somewhere, bro. Yeah, exactly. You always exactly. have to start from somewhere. Yeah. Um, give, them, give them a little information how they get in contact with you, bro. Yeah, um, you know, my cell phone's 516-662-6132. That Flippin' Accountant on Instagram, so at that Flippin' Accountant. You just type it in, that Flippin' Accountant, (laughs) it'll come right up, so. Dope, dope. You wanna leave with anything else? Any um, free game that you wanna give out there to anyone with tax season coming up, what they should be doing, even if it's W-2? Well, W-2 is usually a little easier, right? Yeah, from that perspective, yeah, it's simply just, you know, uh, usually usually you have everything paid in Mm -hmm. and you're just going to file and get a refund back. That's what most people do. Yeah. Uh, But as far as, yeah, if you're like any business owner, small business owner, 1099 employee, meet with your accountant, sit with them now Mm -hmm. um, because we're approaching the holidays and stuff and you just want to get everything in order. That was the best time to do it. Everything's kind of slowing down. Everyone has pretty much a little bit of extra time on their hands. That's do what it, it is. Yo, October fifteenth is a big deadline uh, for accountants. So like we're very busy most of the year. Mm-hmm. October fifteenth, things start to slow down a little bit. Okay. November it's very slow. December slow. Call them up and get and get a get a solid plan in order and start making taking action to help you in tax time. Let's talk re- retirement before yeah. you leave. What's because I, I'm I'm still on the fence. I'm, I'm thinking SEP solo four one k, right? Which is usually the best one for. Anyone that's going to like 1099? Um, I mean, there, there's all, I think the SEP is really good. I gotta look at all the, the um, restrictions and stuff of the okay. SEP. I think that's usually a really good one because there's no, like certain, um, certain ones have like limits, right? Like yeah. you can only put like X amount aside. And if you crush it last year, you might wanna put 25%. I think it's like 25% for the SEP. I think that's what I read too. Something yeah. like that. I gotta, again, I gotta look at uh, the specifics on that. But okay. 
But yeah, usually that's that's a good. That's probably the best one for small business owners. Okay. Self-employed. I do have another question for you. Yeah. Before we even leave, what what's your oh so this whole six hundred dollar issue that's coming up yeah. right the whole six hundred dollar that you that's that's going to be taxable not taxable but what what, what just came up with this whole six hundred dollar um, they changed it then they changed I think they changed it. they don't they didn't pass anything they didn't yet. pass anything no yet? nothing okay. yet it was circulated in oh that's what it was so it was circulated in a bill that was passed I think in the house that they were going to report everything over uh, $600, okay. like every transaction, which is crazy. That's, that's like, nuts. That's like every transaction <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. with inflation. That's like you, know, you buy a pack of gum and you gotta report it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. so there's that. But like they changed it to 10,000, I believe, and that bill is not passed yet. So They changed it to 10,000? Yeah, they, they, they got a lot of pushback because it was like ridiculous. Yeah, $600, I'm like, damn. Like, it's crazy, you, it's crazy. You can't do anything. Well, currently, like if you make $600, you're supposed to report a 1099. Uh, so I didn't know that. Are you? Yeah, like technically the current rule is like if, if I'm, uh, you know, I, I did some service for a company or whatever, like if Matt Art Visual paid me or whatever to uh, sweep the floors or something like that and it was over $600 for the whole year, I got to report that he's supposed to issue a 1099 because if your corporation is different, you yeah. don't have to, there's no 1099 reporting uh, that, that applies to you. But if you're like an individual person yeah. or anything like that, you're supposed to get a 1099. Wow, they're not. They're supposed, they're supposed you know to that? report it. You know they that? Oh, you tell me that. I've been sweeping the floors for two years, bro. There you go. You gotta, you gotta call your accountant. You gotta call my accountant, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, 1031 Exchange. Oh, yeah. I'm about to shoot a video on that. Are you? Yeah. You gotta give me something, bro. You gotta give yeah. me a little, little, drop a little, little knowledge from me. Give me some bars on that. Okay, so the 1031 exchange, for those who don't know, it's mm -hmm. when you exchange a property, you sell a property, and you exchange it for another like kind. It's called a like kind exchange. Mm -hmm. like it only applies to real estate. So you could sell a house, you could buy with that sold, uh, you sell the house, you could buy like an apartment building, you could buy another house, you could buy, it has to be real estate, you could buy land. So what happens is you have a huge gain when you sell that investment property. So what happens is you can defer the gain if you do a like-kind exchange, mm -hmm. um, as long as you don't touch the money. So you need a qualified intermediary to, to handle the transaction. Okay. So if you sell the property within, I think it's 45 days, you have to identify another property. And then within 180 days, which is six months, you gotta close on it. Okay. Right, so when you sell it, the money has to go to a qualified intermediary. You can't touch a dime. If you do, it's subject to the gain. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you can then defer that gain in perpetuity when you you know when you complete the 1031 so the benefit is like oh like why would i want to do that right a lot of people say well, why would i want to defer the game i'm just going to pay it later yeah but the thing is if you keep doing it or if you don't if you just like don't touch it at all and, mm -hmm. you, and you just keep deferring it forever and when you die your heirs take on the property at a stepped up basis so what that means is let's say you buy a property you have no basis in it because you've depreciated it over the years mm -hmm. right and and you essentially have a basis of like a hundred grand because that's what the land's worth. Right? Yeah. But you've either you've sold it and you kept exchanging up and now that property now you got a property worth five million bucks. Yeah. Right. So if you die with that ten thirty one, it goes away and your heirs take on the stepped up basis, which is the fair market value at the date of death. So that's that's a benefit there is that you kind of avoid all those capital gains for your life. Throughout. For your for, life. Yeah, like we, I avoided it because I'm dead. Yeah. You, know? <laughs> you gotta worry about that. <laughs> you, you, you take it on, but they, but they get the benefit of not taking on with that that debt or that um excuse me with that capital 
gain the tax that they would have owed okay. because they're getting it at a higher basis. Right, like I was saying, the basis is down here. Mm -hmm. It's worth here. You die, they, they get rid of that basis. Now you get this basis up here, the fair market value. If that makes any sense. Makes plenty of sense. Yeah, so they, So what happens if, that, if you have a trust set up? Um, Does that, like if that, if that property is in a trust? It all goes into an estate. An estate, yeah. In your estate when you die anyway. Yeah. So that, they're gonna inherit their, the estate. Um, so then they, the estate. They, still get the, they still get the stepped up basis. Yeah. Huh. You know, it doesn't go away. It's good to know. So yeah. So that mini mansion you got, bro. <laughs> well, yeah. on a house, if it's your personal, so it's got to be for business or investment purposes. Okay. So if it's your personal residence, that's different. Um, but you do when you sell your house, you get an exclusion up to two hundred fifty thousand if you're single. Single, right? Five hundred thousand if you're married. So you can live in your house, like I said, live in it, and you buy it. You bought it for one hundred fifty back in the nineties. Now it's worth seven hundred thousand. Mm -hmm. uh, well. I guess you would only get uh, five hundred thousand of that would be excluded from the capital gains. Nice. But so that's a good. That's a separate uh, thing. But yeah. yeah. So it's always great to buy real estate. Oh, it's always great. <laughs> no, they, they literally like built the code, so it's like it favors the real estate market because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, that's what runs the economy. Is that the real estate's a, a huge uh, kind of? It's a huge. It's for the economy. There's a lot there. Right? Yeah. So they. They, they try to stimulate the economy through the tax code. Mm. And they did a lot for real estate investors and in real estate in general just to get the economy going and, and uh, keep it, uh, and, you know, here, yeah. we are, here we are today. Now they're trying to get rid of the 1031. Now they're trying to get, that's why, I, so let me ask that. I, I don't, I hope that was the past because that's going to affect a lot of people. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to do it. I, I, would, I would think the real estate industry is just, they're going to fight it. A lot, the lobbyists are going to mm. fight it. and. I don't know if it'll actually go anywhere, but that's the proposed uh, idea right now. Okay. Which is crazy. Like, I, I don't know what you do, you know? Like, what about the people that 1031 their whole life? Does that go, do they now are subject to no, no 1031? Like, <laughs> yeah. like, what happens? Like, they don't know. Yeah. They, no one knows, it's crazy. It's crazy. There's so many different cheat codes when it comes to taxes that I feel like if you, if you understand the language and what you could do, you could pretty much skate for a while yeah um even when it comes to purchasing a vehicle like i think i learned this maybe like two years ago anything that's over like what like six thousand pounds or something like that by the end of the year if you if you purchase something over six thousand pounds yeah you consider like well, that's more like business uh like a truck or something like that yeah i think under 600 pounds is like your normal car but that's really for the vehicle deduction mm -hmm. and what i do is i just normally take the the standard mileage rate as opposed to the actual expenses okay so sometimes it's usually beneficial to take that rate um, so at the end of the year, you'll tell your accountant, uh, hey, listen, I drove 10,000 miles, um, all business purposes, all for business. Mm -hmm. So he'll take that number and he'll get the deduction. I think it's 56 cents for every mile, Okay. I think for the last, uh, for 2021 changes every year. And then you get that deduction on your taxes. So nice. that's the way I normally do it. Otherwise it's all, it's very, it's very convoluted and there's a lot of, a lot of work really to do the actual expenses. Okay. You're going to have to go to your oil chain and get me that receipt and give me yes. a parking receipts. And yeah. at the end of the day, when you compare both methods, mm -hmm. usually it's beneficial to do the standard mileage. Okay. So that's right. what I normally do. That's why I usually, I think my account usually does the same thing too. Probably. Just to keep it simple. Yeah. All right. Yo, man, I appreciate you coming through, bro. It's your first podcast. Yeah. Hey, I'm excited. He was a natural at it. Right. <laughs> Thank you so much for the opportunity. Of course, bro. Of um, course. Um, get, give me your contact information again, just in case they didn't get it the first time. Yeah. Make sure you guys like, subscribe, hit the notification button, give me a comment, give me a thumbs up, all that good stuff. 
Yeah. Uh, cell phones, 516-662-6132. Uh, and I'm at that flipping accountant on Instagram. Yeah. So if you see this guy just knocking on your door, you may need a little work on the property, right? <laughs> hey, if your taxes aren't low, I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> My man, I appreciate you, man. Hey, man. Thanks a lot, brother. Yes, sir. Appreciate it.